Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. This is our TMC Connect call today. Um, it is building a digital strategy one change at a time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining. So today's discussion leaders um, are the amazing Ruth Lee, who is CEO and founder of Big Think, which is a consulting firm for projects related to digital transformation. Ruth, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. And then we also have Liz Barnacle, who is National Sales Director at MERS. MERS is our preferred partner leading the way in e-note adoption for the mortgage industry. Liz, thanks for being with us. Amy, thank you for having us. This whole exercise and working with Tom and the TNC group has just been excellent. One of my favorite people on the planet, Ruth Lee, we've worked together before. I've really enjoyed the opportunity to see her perspective. Uh, and some of the integration and some of the ways in which teams are trying to do the digital transformation. And I just love the concept of a 20-minute strategy session. We're really looking to simplify a complicated uh, decision-making and simplify the approach in your digital transformation. Our goal is to leave you with something actionable when you get at the end of this call and uh, hearing from Ruth and the way in which she looks at ways in which you can implement. Ruth? Thanks so much, Liz. It's great working with all of you guys, and this has been really a lot of fun. My name is Ruth Lee. I'm a certified mortgage banker and the founder and CEO of Big Think. We provide mortgage banking advisory, and one of the things that we've been focused on recently is e-mortgage and really how to build a digital strategy. So if you don't mind going to the next slide, I say we get right in. I think everybody has been talking about the digital mortgage life cycle, and there's been a lot of focus on the closing, but I think everybody needs to be comfortable with the fact that our technology starts with lead generation and it goes all the way through servicing. And the benefits of a digital mortgage include speed, transparency, convenience, and security. And those benefits, ideally, they accrue both to the borrower, but also to the lender and to their process and driving down origination costs. And most of you are already deploying a variety of digital solutions. Next slide. I'll just add to that really quickly, Ruth, is that I have the same conversations with a lot of groups that are jumping into the space. And the, and the, the simple part is, is that the digital transformation for most MERS members, certainly if they're MERS members, it's already been started. You know, those initial disclosures, the 1003, the automated underwriting, those things are part of the digital transformation. And as I see it, we're sequencing into expanding that even further. Great point. That's a great point because as we are all facing, and one of the challenges that I think that the whole digital conversation is really being um, challenged with is that it sounds like it's so insurmountable. It sounds so big. But, you know, one of the leaders in the space, which is MERS, has really kind of boiled down their three considerations. And this is really where we're going to talk in a little while about, you know, how you build these in. But I want you to lead the way, Liz. This was really, I think, you know, part of your brainchild. Well, this, well, these are some of the things that we talk about over at MERS with our members. Our regional directors are doing this in a one-on-one -on -one format with our members, even our, those who are looking to come on board, board with MERS. Um, you know, it boils down to three components. And I, could, I would bet almost every question you ask during this digital transformation will contain your internal processes involved, the technology that you need and the technology that you have, and the trading partners and what you need to do in order to get the approvals and the communication for change and delivery. 
Um, these categories are really support there to support any of the working groups with any of the channels. So today we're really going to be focusing on the retail channel and what it looks like in the closing. Um, the closing package and what you can do as you expand that is some of the things that you were really speaking to me about, Ruth, as you start thinking through working backwards, working backwards on that asset. And I'd love to hear a little bit more from you on what does that look like when, through your lens on making sure that we make these decisions in the digital transformation? Yeah, I really appreciate you kind of, you know, one of the things as we were working with MERS and kind of seeing a lot of your implementation process and documents, et cetera, having been in the mortgage industry for so long, um, I started thinking about, you know, what is what is the end result that we're looking for? The end result that everyone who is at all looking at a digital transformation is for a saleable loan. So I figured, you know, why not start there and work backwards to find your digital strategy? And, you know, I think before we get there, I just kind of wanted to talk about the complications. And there's a, a huge churn and froth of information and data about how this digital strategy works. But as originators on the retail side, as mortgage bankers, at the end of the day, we're just trying to produce a saleable loan. And looking at those three strategy approaches that MERS has provided really allows us to, to compartmentalize and then take that strategy one step at a time. Liz, do you have anything to add? You know, as far as working backwards from a saleable loan, I think that's where a lot of the conversation is. And, you know, as far as the color of what do I do first, how do I how do I get into a position to get to a digital closing? It's really it's just a systematic approach to think through what do I have, where do I want to go, and what do I need to do to get there in a systematic approach. And as we use this 20 minutes with the TMC member group, we're really thinking about the closing package. And if you look here to the slide, and this was certainly the insight that you gave to me, Ruth, is just think through it as the pack of the closing package and what the requirements are for the execution of those documents. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you to walk us through the slide. If you look at a closing package, there's really three parts. And, you know, as we're looking at a digital strategy, this is how I chose to divide them up. Because for me, I was looking at how do we really make this into a manageable development of our process. So when you look at a closing package, you have notary documents. That's going to be your deed of trust, your mortgage, your transfer deed, your, um, a, you know, your same name affidavit, anything that requires a notary signature. You're going to have a set of financial documents, and that's going to be either your e-note, your paper promissory note, all the addenda and constituent documents that actually creates the asset. And then you have your procedural documents. The procedural documents is a hybrid of all kinds of disclosures, state documents, things that go into that package, and they're really just a bunch of extra stuff, but they really comprise about 90% of your loan package. And so this is where we're going to talk about working backwards from a saleable loan. First, let's start with your notary documents. Anytime you close a loan, they need to be, the, the notary's documents need to be notarized and recorded in the county clerk's office. And that transfer of property ownership is recorded in the public register. So you need to make sure that your public register 
can accept those notary documents, whether it's paper, whether it's electronic, and make sure that you have a clear understanding. As it relates to the next part, which is the financial documents, I'm going to turn that over to you, Liz, because this is really a MERS special. Sure. Yeah, I think we know a thing or two about eNotes over at MERS. You know, the considerations that we talk to with our members on eNotes, is there are some really key components that I think it's nice to be reminded of, is that the eNote is allowed in all 50 states. So the e-signature on that document, which is not a notarized document, is acceptable in all 50 states for the state legislature. So another key piece to the e-note, which I think should, uh, which I find fascinating, is a smart doc. And that smart doc means that it links the image to the data. And when you think through some of the operational pieces and certainly the way in which the e-note is transferred, those are some really key pieces to think about when you start talking about the e-note. Mersey Registry, to keep this short, is really built to meet the needs of the e-commerce laws to serve the mortgage industry to make sure it's easy to identify an electronic note's owner and location. And those are some of the key pieces and considerations you really want to think through when you get to the e-note. Um, and certainly reach out to your MERS regional director for more information there. But those are some key pieces there, uh, as well as, I forgot one, the e-vault. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as far as the e-vault is a critical piece of technology that you need in order to move and execute that e-note. And for our last piece of this particular webinar, Ruth, we really talked about it, looked at these three sections of the closing package and said to ourselves, well, where is it, where is it easy? <laughs> where can mortgage lenders expand that digital footprint with the lightest amount of lift? What is it that we need to do and sort of point at? And I'll, I'll hand over the procedural documents back over to you. Yeah, you know, and this is really kind of a... a blinding flash of the obvious, right? I mean, that most of our mortgage originators and bankers across the country are already digital. They're providing digital disclosures, they're getting e-consent, and there's this whole bunch of procedural documents that are retained with the loan file, they're sent off to your investor, and they're, they're almost entirely covered under eSign and UADA. I'm not an attorney, so I recommend that you, you know, talk with your own compliance team. But if you are finding that those that you are able to get e-consent and sign disclosures, most of these same documents follow that same process. And so when we are talking about breaking this up, this is the fastest and easiest way for you to achieve what they call a hybrid solution, which we're going to talk about in a moment but you can bring forth and get these signed electronically and then really worry about your e-note or your paper note and your e-recorded documents or your e-notary documents. But for these, this is the, I think the lowest barrier to entry. And I'll just add a quick comment before we move on to the next slide and talk about those closings. We certainly saw the need and the spike for those who were looking to execute a digital closing. And these are just some of those steps that you can take to get yourself in a position for that next discussion into those financial documents, into those notarized documents, and just inching closer towards some of those finish lines. So I'll take us over to the next slide, Ruth. So we've talked about, you know, you have your closing, you've chunked your file up into the three pieces. You know, you have your notary documents, you have your financial documents, and you have your procedural documents. And here's where you have a menu of types of closings that you're going to pick from that at the end of the day are acceptable with your process, with your technology, and with your trading partners. So let's kind of look at that. We have traditional. 
Every single one of the documents are signed with ink and in an in-person notary. That is a face-to-face person who is checking your ID and you are signing it right in front of them. You also have IPEN. And, you know, Liz talks about IPEN as really the unsung hero of this entire thing because IPEN is very, it's commonly accepted and loan documents where they're signed on a tablet or an iPad. But again, in-face notary. They're in person. They're checking their ID. They're able to see them in person. It's not over a remote network. The third option, which has been really popular throughout this entire COVID crisis, but you know, it still has a, a few challenges, which we'll talk about later, are loan documents that are signed on a PC. You're at home. Your notary is in another location at another terminal. You are doing the, the execution of the documents and they are getting your notary is not in person. So they're not looking at you eyeball to eyeball. And that was one of the biggest challenges for secretaries of state and regional uh, jurisdictions to really deal with was the fact that you're not looking person to person. You're taking an audio and visual representation. And then the last one, this is by far the most common way that everyone, the big guys are dealing with and saying that they have a 50 state solution is they're calling it a hybrid. And a hybrid is a fantastic way for every mortgage banker to slowly and risk averse way get into the digital transformation into e-closings and e-notes. And that means any combination, whether it's the notarial documents or the financial documents, they either one of them can either be in person or electronic, but there's a hybrid solution. And it really has provided, I think, a lot of freedom for people to be able to move in the direction that the competitive nature of our environment is going without putting themselves and their companies at risk of having unsaleable loans. Liz, I'd love your comments because I know that IPEN is definitely something that you talk about quite a bit. Sure. You know, I mean, as far as the notarized documents, I leave those really to the experts, but I am curious as to, you know, the use of IPEN where it is accepted in more in, in all but 12 states. We'll talk about that in a little bit longer and then just the next few slides here. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the things I really want to bring home at this point in the, in the presentation is that, you know, when you think about these types of closings, go back through those three big components which would be your internal processes, your technology, and your trading partners are just critically important. And I think, you know, as we put solutions in front of you, I think it's fair for us also to identify why some of those loans, why you're an operational shop can't just all go E. I think these are some things that are very uh, well talked about and certainly understood, but this really helps inform the decisioning as to what you can do when you think through from a saleable loan perspective. And Ruth, I'll take us over to the next slide, which is, um, I believe, our, our first big, there's two big reasons in this presentation where considerations on an operational floor really need to be taken, taken into consideration. Liquidity is the holdup. And Liz, you know about this more than anyone else. So I'm going to ping it right back to you because I know that this is something that is on your plate all the time as we're really talking about what's holding up the e-note. I, I would agree with you. Uh, you know, what's been just a joy working with MERS and the team that we're working with is that we really are working to help ad, ad, advocate and educate the industry and certainly having a thin investor uh, base to be able to purchase those loans has certainly been a chokehold. 
Uh, what's really exciting in the slides that we'll show you towards the end of this is that it's opening up. And Lemurs really looks at the marketplace with five pillars of, of liquidity. And one of the first ones, and certainly one that's running is, is the agencies. Freddie and Fannie are up. They have policies on RON. They have policies on electronic signatures. And they are driving the market with purchase on those digital assets. The second, really, where we looked at it was the warehouse lenders. The warehouse lenders obviously were critical to this, to adoption, to be able to fund those digital assets and some of the concerns that were there. We see that adoption coming, and we'll take a look at that list in a few slides. The federal home loan banks. I think the federal home loan banks are some of the exciting pieces that we see in 2020. The entire market reacted to be able to be in a position to support the mortgage industry, certainly in this pandemic. The federal home loan banks were, uh, were, were looking at this before the pandemic, and just like most of the other groups, it really just accelerated their timeline to be able to meet the market need and be able to cross-collateralize those electronic notes for their member base. And we're really looking for those federal home loan banks to be at the table and certainly uh, by the end of this year, if not earlier than that. One of the exciting, the fourth pillar that we look at is private label. And this is one of the ones that I definitely keep a close eye on. What's been exciting in that movement is certainly the Fitch announcement uh, on the private label and their opinion on e-notes as far as securitizations are concerned. We're seeing that starting to crack open and those private market investors are coming to the table and we'll again see that on the last slide. The last one, of course, is Jenny May. We're really looking forward to Jenny May and we know that they've got some really exciting things going on. We're looking forward to their publication on their e-collateral guide and shortly after that, I understand that they will be moving into uh, some pilots with some of their, their, their seller servicers and certainly looking to expand that as the year comes on. Of course, each of those considerations, you know, when you go to those investors, there's approvals and things that you need to look at with your warehouse lenders, private label agencies and the like. But that liquidity is starting to crack open and we are starting to see the production numbers come with it. So I'll take us to the next slide, which is our second objective. Hey, Ruth, was there something that you wanted to add to that? No, please go. I want All right. everything in. <laughs> uh, just a slight technical holdup. There we go. And Ruth, I'll, I'll take this one. You know, as far as state legislation, why can't an operational floor do entire digital notarization docs? Wait, I'm sorry. What was that? Sorry, I'm just asking you the question. What's the reasoning behind not being able to do all the notarized docs uh, electronically in a mortgage shop? So, I, and I'm, I'm assuming that you're going straight to the state jurisdictions and the fact that yes. you, know, when you really look at the notary. I mean, notary is not managed by Congress. It is managed by each and every state. It is considered a state's right for a very long time. And so until the 1950s, you had to notarize with somebody that you actually knew. So now we are coming to an entirely new vista of notarization issues, which is I don't, I'm not in the same room with the person. How do I know it's really you? How do I do my log? How do I make sure that it's the same document that you say you signed is the one that is really signed? And that's where the e-registry and the smart doc things that, that Liz was talking about really come in. But as you're kind of looking it through that, that's really the reason why is that you, you have to make sure that the patchwork where your jurisdiction is, where your regional footprint is, is in lockstep with each and every one of those counties. There's really good companies that can provide you with that kind of 
you know, insight. Simplifile has been in the business for almost 20 years and they do a great job. There's a lot of the new um, technology partners like the Doc Magics and the Snap Docs that are out there and really doing a great job about providing support. But at the end of the day, it's your loan and it's your saleable loan. I'll bring it right back to you, Ruth. I mean, it comes back to those three critical components, which is what's my internal workflow? What are my trading partners? And what's the technology, as you had just noticed, that, to help me get to that next step? And as we said, those procedural documents don't have these concerns, or not as many concerns, I should say, but those notarized docs are something that you really need to figure out as far as your footprint is concerned, and certainly what your investor will buy, right? When we think about this from a saleability perspective. I'll just add to the conversation on this one. You know, I think it's really interesting when you look at this, and I'll, I'll point this out as a resource. resource. This is the Pennsylvania Notaries. Uh, also, this is a, as a great resource on MISMO. If you're part of the e-mortgage community, uh, these are some great resources that you can look at to, to continue to inform those decisions on your operational floor. But there's 12 states that don't take in-person electronic notarization, and I think that's important because you have a much wider base there. If you were looking to expand that digital footprint, IPEN may be a viable option for you. And when we hey. look to the remote online notarization, I'm sorry, go ahead, Lot, or, or, go ahead, Ruth. Liz, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but did you wanna put the, the page that we're seeing on the presentation is the final okay. takeaways. So yeah, if you so could get sorry. to the, the yeah. map. Thank you yeah. for that, okay. I appreciate that. No problem, yeah, thank well, you. Just, a little bit of a lag. I think we were having a technical glitch there. So yes, as we look at that slide, thank you, Amy, for pointing that out. You know, you, you take a look at where your geographic footprint is as you start to decision further digital expansion on your floor, and that seems like a viable answer. And then as we look at Ron, you've got the 23 states there. And again, this is something that's incredibly important to touch on with your investors, as well as your warehouse lenders. Again, those trading partners and liquidity pieces uh, are really important that you make sure that you're looking at that and getting the appropriate approval. Ruth, is there anything else that you would want to add as far as state legislation and some of the things an operational floor needs to think through when it comes to that closing package? So, you know, having been on an operational floor and run an operational floor, these are all decisions that need to be made in the C-suite. You need to have a policy about what states you allow and what states you don't allow and have a very firm one. As we saw back in the other and when Ginny and the federal home loan banks open it up, you won't have to bifurcate process where you do one for agency and one for FHA, which will make it a lot easier. But staying really, you know, I'm never one to believe that you, you're on the bleeding edge of any of this legislation. So when you saw a lot of the executive orders and things like that, that's great. But at the end of the day, there was no governor who was going to step in and save a mortgage company from an unsaleable loan. So I really was recommending, you know, just stay very cautious. Stay either the, the, It's very fluid. This is changing almost every day, every month, and we're seeing new come out. So we anticipate within a very short period of time, this is all going to be completely open. But one you will notice that is not available on, you know, especially as it relates to Ron, is California. And that's a very big state. So as California goes, we tend to see that, you know, they're slowly working through this process, but we should see it all kind of open up over the next couple of years. I would agree. I would agree the acceleration curve is, is getting there. It's so let me just tell you some of the things that, you know, as we take a look at while these decisions, these groups have actually gotten to some milestones that are quite important. And certainly as Mersey Registry and representing that platform, it's really exciting for us to see 51 originators, 16 warehouse lenders, 18 servicing agents, six subservicers, 
15 investors and two custodians. And I can tell you that didn't, that wasn't the story that we were talking about last year. We have seen that there's been a 65% increase in those participants on the Mersey registry over the last year, which has just been incredible for the MERS team and the customer group. There's 46 companies that submitted a Mersey registry addendum March through May. And to us, we, of course, was the answer we see is a spike with the pandemic. What's great about this, too, in speaking to the TMC group, is that we have seven TMC originators on this list. Cornerstone, Man Mortgage, MIG, Prime Lending, Thrive Mortgage, Town Square Mortgage, and Union Home Mortgage, all of which have done a really great job of getting onboarded on the BE registry and are starting to see those production numbers. The warehouse lenders, there's two. There's Associated Bank and People's United. The subservicer listed would be DMI, and we have three investors here, which are Fannie, Freddie, and Plaza Home Mortgage. So the collaboration at TMC can continue. I would invite those TMC groups to reach out to one another as these questions come, certainly as you think through your closing packages we've discussed today and looking at those procedural, notorial, and financial documents. And last slide that I have with some particular stats, I'm keeping my eye on the clock because we promised 20 minutes. <laughs> I just wanted to use this e-note slide to sort of show that the demand for e-notes has been steadily increasing year over year. And of course, we've seen the short uptick during the crisis. In January, we had over 15,000 e-notes registered. February, over 19,000. March, we had 24. April, 22,000. May, we had record-breaking month yet again at 31,238 e-notes registered on the Mersey Registry. When mortgage originators are looking to be resilient, responsive, and adaptive, certainly as we, were, we saw the environment of seeing the environment within the COVID pandemic, um, I think the mortgage industry really understands that nearly every other vertical in the financial services has gone digital. So with two and a half years of data in front of you, I hope that this shows that the proof of concept has been, has been met and that the industry is moving forward. MERS is here to really help you make these decisions in the near term so that you can expand this digital footprint and I can have your name on, on these lists as well. Uh, anything that you would want to add to this slide, Ruth? No, no, I think we're good. So I think for our final takeaways, Big Think is the one who really kind of put this together. And I'd love for you to kind of walk us through what we talked about today so that we have some real actionable items at the end of this call. Well, you know, we talked about, you know, making your digital strategy. The strategy is the strategy. The tactics are going to take a lot more than 20 minutes. But I hope that at the very least, you were able to see that it doesn't have to be this very complicated, complex process. Um, it's really about making your considerations. How is your team, how is your operational process going to withstand any of this. If you know your process has the risk of building unsaleable loans, then you need to tweak it and you need to really think through how you're going to do with your investors, etc. Your trading partners, you need to be looking at your investors, your warehouse lenders. You also need to be looking at your title company and making sure that they're actively involved and they're progressively training their own staff on how to do digital closing because not everyone is really excited about getting in there. And the last one is the technology, whether it's the Mersey registry and really learning how to build your e-note process and working with your MERS team, that they're an amazing asset who have just really been building an educational and checklist kind of approach to helping their team, helping all of their members implement. But from a strategic approach, 
I am a believer that you divide those packages into three parts. You have your notary documents, your financial documents, and your procedural documents. And now you pick a risk averse digital solution to solve for each one. And you're going to have, you know, there's going to be a lot of fluidity in it. But ideally, it's a way that you and your team can bifurcate that process and you know, give and say you're responsible for really figuring out e-note, e-vault, e-registry. You're going to make sure that we have the technology and the partners in place who are going to accept this big change that we're making. But the last message that I want to send to everybody is, you know, there, there seems to be a lot of, I would say, false information from the media in implying that somehow the mortgage industry is behind. And I really don't think that we are. You know, at the end of the day, you saw that we've been making last changes in the last few quarters, not in the last, you know, decade. And a lot of, you know, the COVID crisis has been a cathartic event. And we've seen the proof of concept. We know where we're going. But it's really a matter of getting there in the least of you know in the most risk averse way, creating the most saleable loans so that you satisfy all of your trading partners as well as you stay in business because that's really I think one of the most thing one of the most important things that we have here, which is we want you to go digital, but we want you to go digital safely and with a lot of thought into that process. And ideally, and hopefully, this helped kind of lay that out. Liz, do you have any final comments? Just that it was just a wonderful, wonderful event to be to put this together on with you, Ruth and, and Amy Board. Thank you for the time with your members. Uh, we really appreciate being able to get this message out. And if there are, if there were any questions that did come up during the presentation, we certainly would want to address those. Um, if if there are some follow up questions that may have come in. Yeah, so to the attendees, um, now is the time. If you did have any questions to pop them in the chat or put them in the Q&A and Liz and Ruth would be happy to um, address them. Um, we do have one here uh, that came up. So if I sign my procedural documents with an electronic signature, do I have to sign them on the same date as the closing docs? I'll go ahead and field this one because, you know, as it, as it, to that specific issue, you know, Fannie and Freddie have given indication that they are willing to buy it, but not every investor is. So it really kind of highlights that one lesson that you never assume. You always talk to the person that you're selling it to. You make sure that, you know, they are going to be willing to buy that loan and never assume that because Fannie and Freddie are that everyone is because they have different requirements and they have, you know, different standards that they're going to have to meet. And Liz, I'll turn it over to you if you have anything to add. It's a question that comes up quite a bit. Uh, we do see that, you know, I think more from uh, the whole known packages as opposed to the e-note. Uh, but yes, I, I mean, if you decide to break that closing package uh, to meet the hybrid expansion into digital, it is a question you really do want to consider. What are the dates on those packages? Do they need to be signed on the same date? Uh, again, Fannie does have policy that's printed on this. You could go to their guide and, and get that information. Um, but again, that's something that you really want to think through, even when you present it to the borrower, what those expectations may be when they want to execute that loan. Uh, what, we, what I've seen in some of the working groups that we've been a part of, that's a process all the way from the LO at the time that you take that application to the time that you walk that loan through underwriting so that the borrower has the appropriate expectations uh, and understands that they would be signing those procedural docs on the same day most likely in the same way in which they sign the initial disclosures, uh, just laying those proper expectations throughout that manufacturing. 
I want to add one thing because you brought up something that I think is really critical for everyone and quite often doesn't get included in the conversation, which is the role of the originator. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the person who has the most comfort and experience with your borrower. And if you are looking to build a strong consumer experience at the end, whether it's IPEN, RON, whether it's, you know, a full, just an ink closing, you need to have the originator not only trained, but understanding exactly what's going to come, what their borrowers should be able to expect. And you will find that your adoption curve is a lot easier when the originator feels comfortable with the process change. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so another question, well, and Amy, we, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, great. Another question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little similar to the first. So what if the borrowers don't sign the procedural docs before going to closing? I, I, you know what? I go back to, if you don't mind, Ruth, I'll, I'll just kind of say an initial answer to that one is got to go back to the, the initial strategy. Um, if you really need to go to your trading partner there, as Ruth was alluding to there, the, the title is, is critical. Uh, if those procedural documents haven't been signed electronically on the closing date, the title needs to understand that they would need to present those to the borrower in order to complete the closing. Uh, that is a conversation that you need to have with title and you can handle some of those milestones either through technology uh, or certainly through the trading partner relationship that you have to ensure that those documents are signed on the right day for the saleability purposes that we've talked about. And I'll go back to process, process, process. Make sure you understand all of the different things that could happen as you waterfall through because borrowers are fickle and they get a vote because it's their signature and their asset. So you have to really, you know, focus on working with them to make sure that, you know, if they aren't available, you might need to change the closing date. Great. Um, and last call for questions from the chat or from the attendees, but we've got one more here for you, it looks like. How do I decision when to add the other docs to the digital closing? Sure. Uh, Ruth, I'd love your insight here. I would say my first reaction is certainly when it comes to the e-note, I would say your first decision really needs to come down to your technological partners. Your e-vault is going to be critical to being able to test and produce e-notes uh, from a retail perspective. Um, and so that would be a major consideration um, that you would want a decision as you move forward and expanding that, that closing package into digital. Ruth, would you add to that? I, you know, I absolutely would because, you know, as we said, this is a very fluid process. You know, the numbers of states that are opening up, the investors that are opening up, even Ginny who's opening up. And, you know, I heard them on a webinar just recently. They are actively in their pilot. So we're not talking years and years. We're talking months and weeks until they are really out in the market piloting and really building their strategy. And so as you are really looking at it, go back to that same thing. Does my process, is my process complete? Is it strong? Am I going to build a saleable loan? If the answer is no, don't add the loan. Don't add the document. If my trading partners are not entirely on board, whether that's warehouse lender, investor, maybe you know they're only for agency, Again, you know, that's really where your answer falls. And then, you know, finally, your technology. If your technology can't support it, you need to find a trading partner or a vendor who can do so, 
or you need to wait until you find the right solution that your process and your investor partners, again, all included in one are happy with. So at the end, you are creating a very lovely saleable loan that sails on into a servicer's hands and you get to do it all over again. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ruth. Thank you, Liz. Um, it doesn't look like we have any further questions from the attendees. So I think we will go into our wrap up here. But um, ladies, what a, a fantastic presentation, a lot of information. I know you tried to keep it short and sweet for us. So we appreciate that to our attendees. This was recorded. And I do have a copy of this presentation deck. So tomorrow um, in the morning, you shall receive an email from me with all of these wonderful tidbits, copy of the uh, podcast if you choose to listen to it through that venue and also the recording on YouTube. So look out for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, thank you guys so much for joining the call today. Um, we know how busy everybody is, especially it's the end of the month. And it's summer, and so uh, we truly appreciate you taking some time with us to listen to Ruth and Liz. And Ruth and Liz, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to put this together for us. Um, very relevant information, very <clears throat> important uh, technology for all of us to be really getting in step with at this, in, you know, in these times. So, super appreciative of you both. Thank you so much. We really glad to be a part, Amy. Awesome. Well, have a great afternoon, and we will see you all soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.